A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Ladies and gentlemen, I have known Glenn Jacobs for 18 years. He's an honorable guy, very smart, one of the nicest guys. And I didn't say this earlier, you're one of the few guys in the wrestling business that nobody ever talks bad about. That's true. Everyone likes this guy. And if I lived in Knox County, I would vote for Glenn Jacobs for the mayor of Knox County. I might even move here just to vote for him and then move out. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And let's get right to it. Here we go. The Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hi, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan calling. Uh, how are you doing, Chris Jericho? What are the day? Wakanda. I'll use it, Chris. Hey, what kind of shoes are those, fool? Uh, okay, Wakanda. Wakanda. Brutal. If you think you got a better sentence for Duff's word than uh, his, tweet it to me at Talk is Jericho, and I'll read some of them off on the air. Wakanda. Uh, thanks as always to Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Duff McKagan for taking the time to entertain us with his ridiculously bad jokes every single Friday. And speaking of entertaining, today's guest, not only one of the most entertaining WWE wrestlers uh, basically in history, but also one of the smartest and looking to become the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, basically the mayor of Knoxville. Uh, Glenn Jacobs, Kane, that's him. He's on the show not only to share his campaign platform and what he hopes to accomplish in Knox County uh, should he be elected. He's also going to share some of his more memorable stories from his days at Smoky Mountain Wrestling and WWE working around the world. Uh, We did this podcast live in Knoxville a couple of weeks ago as a fundraiser for Glenn's campaign. We ran into some technical difficulties, though, uh, which is why it's not the best of sound, but my amazing producer, Stacey Parra, really, really cleaned it up. And if you hear a couple of extra hissings and buzzings, we know it's there. We apologize. It was a live show. It was run through a soundboard. And when we got it back, it was like, oh, no. But uh, Stacey fixed it. And I think you're going to like it. You're going to love the show. Uh, it's worth listening to. The show is great. The stories are great. Uh, you're going to hear what Glenn has to say about living in the Smoky Mountain Flophouse. Uh, where I lived, Jim Cornette's infamous temper, uh, Glenn's WWE debut, his first gimmick at WWE is Isaac Yankum, the wrestling dentist, how much he loves that gimmick, the origins of Kane and the mask, his chemistry with The Undertaker and their short-lived tag team, the Brothers of Destruction.
Destruction. We also talk about a couple of the matches we had together and the run-in I pulled on him uh, in India. Uh, it's ridiculous. Lots of great stories, lots of laughs, and some really brilliant ideas for Knox County. Glenn is a genius. I might move to Knoxville just so I can vote for Glenn, but of course it'll be uh, have to be after the Judas Rising Tour. 2018, we just started this week. We launched in New Orleans uh, Wednesday night, and tonight we're in uh, Dallas at the Canton Hall. Uh, Through Fire, Santa Cruz, and Dark Sky Choir are with us. We're all have, uh, already having a great time. I'm recording this in the back of the bus. First time ever I've got my own room. Uh, total lead singer's disease. For whatever reason, the bus um, has a, uh, 12 bunks we're sharing with Santa Cruz, and there's one big bed in the back, so they gave it to uh, the lead singer. So there you go. I'm a big rock star now for sure. But uh, like I said, we're in Dallas tonight. Lubbock on Saturday. El Paso on Sunday. Then we take a couple days off. We do Tucson on the 7th. Phoenix on the 8th. Tempe, Arizona at the Marquee Theater. March 9th in San Diego with Iced Earth at the House of Blues. March 10th at the Whiskey. 11 is uh, Las Vegas at Counts Vamped. Great venue. March 13th, San Francisco at Slim's. March 15th. Portland, Oregon at Dante's. Uh, we got a lot more dates coming. Seattle uh, in the Studio 7. Then there's Milwaukee, Chicago, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Dayton, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Clifton Park, New York, Philly, Portland, Maine, Hampton Beach, uh, Wally's, where you can come watch WrestleMania with me. That's right. Come see the Fozzie Show. It's earlier in the day, and then it ends right in time for Mania's start. We're going to be hanging out there in the VIP section. Come watch it with us if you want to. A lot of stuff going on. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket information and VIP meet and greets as well. We're one of the best in the business. Uh, somebody yesterday said they've been to over 100 meet and greets from bands, and Fozzie's was the best. We give you a mini concert. Uh, today it was Judas. Uh, Drinking with Jesus, Burn Me Out, and then we did, uh, uh, what did we do? Uh, uh, Quiet Riot, Mental Health, and then we did Cold Gin. So you want to come rock with us, uh, get ready uh, to come do that. FozzyRock.com for all information on how you can be involved in the meet and greets. And we'll meet you, we'll greet you, we'll retweet you, uh, and how you can buy tickets for the tour. It's going to be a blast. It already is. Uh, coming up live from Knoxville, Glenn Jacobs for Mayor, right here on Talk is Jericho. Uh, thank you guys for coming out tonight. Um, very exciting for me to know that my good friend Glenn Jacobs is running for the mayor of Knox County. And uh, wow, I'm very proud of you, man. Honestly, thank you. Buddy. Seriously, like what a great uh, a, a great guy to do this. Um, and and it's interesting because I remember there's a lot of times back over the years when they would say, "Well, who who's like really smart in the dressing room? Like, are you wrestler guys really smart?" And I go, "Listen." This dressing room is the only place where you can have a conversation with a seven-foot giant about all just Huxley's Brave New World. Because <laughs> Glenn is always reading. He's always reading books and is very smart and very uh, studious and all that sort of stuff, which is not the stereotypical thing when you see a guy your size. You know, it's funny because uh, people that don't know me will ask me, what do you do? Are you a football player, wrestler? And I'm always like, I'm a nuclear physicist. <laughs> and of course, I always get, oh, really? I'm like, no, I'm joking. I'm a wrestler. Yeah. But and, you know, speaking of Aldous Huxley, so that's where the Doors got their name, the band, was oh, from. Yeah, the Doors was from, of Perception. The Doors of Perception. That is right. correct. Right, right, yes, right, right, I right, think right. that's how that conversation started. That's where we got it from. Yeah. But that's the thing, too. Like when you spend a lot of time on the road, and I think when I came in in 99, you were one of the guys that were there, and one of the guys that still left at this point in time. <laughs> There's not a lot of us left, but we have been literally around the world together yeah. uh, countless times everywhere. And it's, it's, it's interesting, like I said, like when you don't see each other for a while, you came and met me outside. But it's like 
nothing ever changes. It could be a year or two years, but it's still like, hey, what's going on? How you doing? That sort of thing, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, because we spend we spend so much time together, a lot more uh, than we did with our families in some cases, mm-hmm. you know, being gone all the time. Uh, and, and you, you're exactly right, too. I mean, it's like, yeah, man, we're, okay, hey, Chris, how you doing? And, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because I'm, I used to work here. I was like, we've got to kind of push this a little bit. Um, this po- man, this podium is shakier than a ladder match. <laughs> wow. If we fall off, yeah, help us out. But I, when I got off the airplane today in uh, the Knoxville airport, because I used to live just down the road in Morristown. Oh, Morristown. Is it still a dry county? Yeah. You can also tell us more. <laughs> no offense, guys. <laughs> yeah, when I lived in Morristown, it was a dry county, so I used to hang out at the Walmart uh, at like 2 a.m. Yeah. For, for action. I, I actually did, too. They had a they had an Indiana Jones pinball machine at the Walmart. <laughs> That's what I played till the wee hours of that. Woo, another person. Did you live in Morristown? Did you? Yeah, when I first came here, I did. Now, why did we decide Morris, Morristown? Uh, I think that's, well, that's, of course, where um, everybody just lived for some reason. Did, did, and, and I Cornette think, lived I think there. Cornette lived there. Yeah, Cornette lived there, yeah. So his, his suggestion was that you should live there, too, in Morristown, yeah. which, like I said, fine town. But, you know, when you're, at the time, I was a 22-year-old single guy, and there's nowhere to go to, like, talk to any girls or anything like that. I was like, damn, Cornette. God <laughs> damn it. Jeez, Louise. But, um. So you actually started, uh, not started your career, but one of the biggest points of your career is when you came to Smoky Mountain, yeah. which was 93? 95. It was early 1995. Oh, so it was after me. Yes. You wow. had just left. Thrill okay. Seekers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lance Storm and Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, Jericho right? Yeah. Thrill Seekers. Um, and you guys had literally just left. And then in they... fact, I moved into your old apartment. That's no. why I was in Morristown for a little while. That's why I was in Morristown. The for a Smoky while. Mountain Flophouse. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we used to call it because uh, every wayward wrestler that had nowhere to go yeah. would move in there. <laughs> <laughs> Cornette's home for wayward wrestlers, right? That's awesome. <laughs> it's like something from or- Little Orphan yeah. Annie or something yeah. like that. Hey, you're living here now, see? So who was living there when you were there? Man, because um, D'Lo Brown was there for a while. Was D'Lo there? was there. Was Anthony was there. Anthony, Anthony was still Lamar, there? Oh, so, yeah. So you live with D'Lo and Anthony? Yeah. Anthony still owes me 60 bucks for the electric bill I- that I paid. <laughs> I talk to him every once in a while. I'll make sure you to do? get it for you. Yes. No kidding. Do you need to be to charge him interest on that? I, that's about, about 350 bucks. Okay. That was 24 years ago. When, well, you know what's the great thing is when he's listening to this, he's now he won't take my phone calls because you know I'm going <laughs> to be talking about a, a $60 electric bill from 20 years ago. But that started off with me and uh, this guy Casey was living there and then Anthony and then Casey moved out. Then Dila moved in and then we had a, a, a Balls Mahoney who was – What's his name? Boo Bradley yeah. was living there. Yeah. And then I always remember because it was built into the side of a, of, a, yep. of a hill. Everything in East Tennessee is built into the side of a hill. <laughs> so one time I come back into my room and there's a giant spider in the room, right? So I captured it in an underwear box, like a plastic underwear box. Like you buy like six pairs of underwear or a plastic box. And then a couple of days later, I caught a, a salamander behind the, uh, the oven. Wild kingdom. It was like the Isle of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I stuck them in the box together, and the, the salamander won. So there you go. I don't know what kind of a, of a spider it was, but that's just the kind of area it was. You kind of like, you obviously loved it so much, you stayed. You never left. I never found a spider and a salamander like <laughs> that close together. <laughs> How was the, the company at the time, Smoky Mountain, when, when you came? Um, 
the Heavenly Bodies, uh, along with Jim Cornette, were spending uh, time up in WWE, mm -hmm. as was Rock and Roll Express. Uh, so the company was, Jim wasn't promoting it, you know, because of that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like he probably had in the past. Um, he was so spending more time he, in he, WWE. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was doing a lot with WWE. He didn't have the time to really, uh, you know, do this stuff down here. So things were, things were okay. Uh, remember my first show in Knoxville, we got gosh, 2,000 people, 2,000 people. So that was a really big event. Uh, we had a huge event. Was it Paintsville that we would? Paintsville, we would Paintsville Kentucky. Kentucky. Barberville, Kentucky. Barberville, yeah. But this, this was in Paintsville. And I remember Undertaker came down. It was Undertaker and Tony Anthony and Tracy Smothers and a six-man tag against the gangsters. <laughs> and, of course, you know, Cornette's one of the most creative people ever in our business. And watching these vignettes. And do you guys remember remember the gangsters? And, yeah, what they would do is they would, they had a flag and they would, you know, when, when they beat their victim, they would put a flag. He was working the, the north versus south. Yeah, yeah thing. right. And then Taker. So I remember this vignette and Taker's like, Gangsters, you bury people under a flag. I bury people under six feet of dirt. And you're like, oh. you know, <laughs> that's pretty good. That yeah. was a good Undertaker, by the way. I've had a little practice at that. <laughs> and then, then they had another vignette where the gangsters are looking for the Undertaker in a cemetery, you know. And of course, they're all scared to death. And you know, there's a noise, and they ah, they took off running, and the cat crosses the screen. And it was it was great. And uh, Don't Fear the Reaper from Louis or Cult was playing in the background, so it was really cool. And then I had the opportunity, the first time I ever actually wrestled Undertaker was here in Knoxville. Um, and you were called the Unibomb. Yeah. Had 5,000 5, people at the Civic Coliseum, sold out, clean, packed the rafters, couldn't fit another person in the place. I never saw so many people in the entire life. It's Ricky Morton, by the way. By the way, that's, uh, yeah. that's what you have to say every time. There's a sellout. Yeah. People hanging from the rafters. Yeah. Never seen so many people in your life. And they go, tell them who. Yeah. And that'd be Robert that's right. Gibson. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and then uh, Sean Michaels came down for that, too. Okay. So, yeah, those, those were some highlights and uh, just... That was phenomenal. I remember we went to the, the, you and I actually wrestled in the Knoxville Civic yeah. Coliseum. And the first time I ever came here was to go to that show. Was that whatever they called it. It was like Cornette was trying to uh, uh, court Lance and I was like, look how big the crowd is. And it was like this one show a year that had 5,000 people. But then when Glenn and I went back years later, I remember going in there and it had gone from this like giant Yarmo yeah. Dome to like this little Civic Center. And I couldn't believe like it looked like somebody had put it in a trash compactor and like squeeze it together it seems so big at the time right yeah you know? the, the, and same with me you know right. um the the first time you go to somewhere it's just wow this is you know amazing and this is huge and and then you come back it's like yeah it's not as big as i remember it you yeah, know yeah. it seems to be it seemed to be 10 times as big at the time um you know but then you go over of course to thompson bowling and you're like yeah this place is always as big as i remember mm, it's a huge legit arena yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So what exactly was the character of the Unibomb? How was that explained to you? Um, it was, Cornette just thought it was a good name. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Pretty much. He thought, it was, he thought it was a cool name for a wrestler. So, um, And the thing was, so when I initially, initially got a job here, and uh, I got to give a shout out to Dutch Mantel. Dutch really helped me out in my career mm. uh, as much as anyone ever has. My first full-time job was in Puerto Rico. And Dutch got me that job. And then, of course, uh, many of you that are fans of Smoke Mountain Wrestling, Dutch did color commentary here 
for years. And uh, after my run in Puerto Rico was over, he got me the job here. So I'd met Eddie Gilbert in Puerto Rico. And Eddie and I came to uh, work for Cornette as a tag team. Well, we did, back what you would do in those days is, is we would film like three weeks of TV and a shot. Right. So I think, I want to say we were in Lenore, North Carolina, and uh, did three weeks of TV. Well, then Eddie got job as the book in Puerto Rico. So he went back to Puerto Rico. And here I am, and I'm a tag team partner. We've got three weeks of TV in the can, and that's when Cornette hired Al Snow mm -hmm. and brought him in. Mm -hmm. So Put you um, together. Yeah, you want to hear a funny story about Al? <laughs> is there you any serious stories Yeah, about that's Al? right. So, <laughs> so the first time Al did a TV taping here in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and I think that was in Hickory, North Carolina, uh, he'd driven down, he lived in Lima, Ohio, and he'd driven down like 10 hours. So uh, he was a little tired, to say the least, and he's having a singles match with George South. Remember George? Mm -hmm. George is a really great wrestler. And uh, Cornette basically tells Al to have a six or seven mat minute match, do all your stuff, and um, it's great. So Al went out with George, and um, they did the handshake deal for like five minutes. Like okay. in the ring? Yeah, yeah. Where like Al as the bad guy would offer his hand and George wouldn't shake, and you know, which is great for a live audience, not really compelling TV. <laughs> so Cornette's watching it, and he's like, you know, that's the thing about Alice. He works a lot of independence, but not much TV. And I have a horrible Cornette impersonation, <laughs> but that was it. So anyway, so they come back, and Cornette's like, all right, what I want you to do is you challenge George to another match and just do a couple of your flippy high spots and roll George up and get out. Because they want to refilm it because yeah, the first yeah, match yeah. is so He's rotten. Like, yeah, and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll chop it back together. And that's the trick, guys. If, if a match yeah. is really bad. You go out and challenge him again. Well, I lost yeah. once. I'm no way I'm going to lose twice. And then you just use the second match. And actually, TV magic. It's actually George that challenged oh, okay. Al, which <laughs> is backwards because normally the heel, <laughs> the heel would do it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in any case, so they go back out and they did one thing and Al rolled George up. Uh -huh. um, for those of you that don't know, Jim Cornette has a rather <laughs> explosive temper. <laughs> I never witnessed that before, but he starts turning various shades of red. Uh huh. And then, then he just starts screaming at the top of his lungs, and, and I'm, oh, my gosh, what has happened? And, uh, you know, what are they doing, blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, as soon as they come through, Jim's like, you know, guys, that wasn't really what I wanted, but I'll top together and make it work. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Perfect. Did, right. <laughs> so, and I'm looking, going, that's my tag team partner. He's the guy that's going to guide me through all this. <laughs> <laughs> but so, what, so even after you finished in Smoky Mountain, you still stayed here in this area, what right. is it about Tennessee, Knoxville, Morristown area that you love so much? Well, I, I, I do. I love it. Um, and my wife is from here. Oh. So she actually was from Johnson City. And uh, yeah, it's okay. Johnson City, shout out. Woo. That's <laughs> a lot less than the, than the Morristown. Well, well, Morristown just, is in Johnson, Johnson City. Just gets a you woo. know why? Because Morristown is a dry county. So you just more crazy. Yeah, it's and, all and the Johnson City guys, yeah. like, they're not as excited because they have fun every night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, my wife is from Johnson City. Uh, do you guys remember um, Cowboys on Douglas Lake in Dandridge? Yeah. So that was my mother-in-law's. No, is it like yeah. a roadhouse or something? Yeah, it's a, a fish house. Really? It, no, not a bar. Oh. It was, it was very dry, my friend. Oh, I'm sorry. Morristown, yeah. right? Bar. Yeah. yeah. yeah no um, but anyway, that's, so, um, that's how we came to, to move stay. further west. Yeah, so this is a typical story. You met, you, met a, you met a woman. 
Met a woman and never left, yeah. What was the name of the roadhouse in Johnson City? It was called the North Nashville Nashville Sound. Sound. Yeah. That was my oasis. I used to hang out at Nashville Sound, but it was like 40 miles away. But I still used to go hang out there. And just hopefully you would meet somebody that you could hang out with for the night. You don't have to worry about driving home. That was my secret, ladies and gentlemen, right there. All right, we're going to get back to uh, Mayor Glenn Jacobs, at least that's what I hope, recorded live at the Clarion Inn in Knoxville, Tennessee. i got to say thanks to uh, the fine people at the Clarion. If you're ever in Knoxville and you want a place to stay, go to the Clarion Inn on 5335 Central Avenue Pike, and they will treat you uh, very, very well. Make sure you do that. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So let me ask you a couple of questions. It's interesting because there's a lot to talk about here. And we'll, we'll go all around. But so now it's very uh, cool that, like we talked about earlier, you're running for the mayor. And you love this area so much. You've been here for 20-odd years. Um, first question of all, this shirt is very, very cool. Isn't Jacob's it for mayor. But it looks a lot like the Raw logo. Did you have to get permission from somebody, anybody to use this? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> I, I sort of made a phone call. What, what, it was now very what, accommodating. What did Vince say about it when you told him you're going to run for mayor? Uh, he was he was all about it. Yeah, you know, um, it's funny because Vince does care about us. He does, and you know, he gets a really bad rap because a lot of people, um, in my opinion, a lot of people who have done him wrong uh, say bad things about him. But he does. If you're you know if you work hard, if you're loyal to him, he'll do anything for you. So when I said that I wanted to do this, he was all about it. He's been been extremely supportive. You know, but you're one of his, his top soldiers in the field, one of his generals. You know what I mean? You think about that. Like I mentioned, yeah. coming here in 99, for me, you started in 95? Yeah, started in, uh, yeah, August of 1995. I mean, that's some serious longevity. And then think about how many guys that have that longevity. There's not a lot. Yeah, I've seen people come, go, come back, come back go, go, come back again, leave, come hey. back again. <laughs> Hate Vince, sue him, yeah. to kill hate him. Hate Vince, sue back. him. Next time they see him, hug him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. All right. So he was very much behind the, 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 the idea for you to, to go into the into yes. politics. And you've always been a real political guy, though. Even when we talked about Bill Huxley, you're always talking about different politics. I remember even when Val Venus was around, he was a big <laughs> politic guy. And I don't know if you guys run the same politic guy. Is that a proper word? You can tell I'm from Canada. I don't know if you guys were on the same side or not. But remember, there was always lots of debates. You right. volley back and forth. So what made you finally decide that, okay, I want to take the plunge and, and go for mayor? Well, for me personally, it's, you know, it's a good time in my life. Mm-hmm. And then this the timing uh, was right. But then also, again, I mean, um, I look at my life story. And um, I was always a wrestling fan growing up. Uh, but I wanted to be a professional athlete. 
you know, I remember ever since I was little, I grew up in St. Louis, outside St. Louis, and I watched the baseball Cardinals. And other than the fact that I couldn't hit, couldn't pitch, and couldn't <laughs> field, I was a pretty good baseball player, but realized I wasn't going to have a future in that. I was a good basketball player. I went to college on a basketball scholarship, ended up playing football um, because I put on a lot of weight once I got to college. And, um, Looked like I was going to play in the NFL. Really? And, yeah, I had scouts coming. No yeah, yeah, yeah. I never knew that. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I uh, and then what happened was uh, a truncated version of the story, but basically I blew my knee out very badly um, my last year and uh, didn't have any eligibility left, so I had to play with it as it was. So I actually went to Chicago Bears camp mm-hmm. as an undrafted free agent, um, and so when you go to an NFL camp, you go through a battery of physicals. And uh, they flew me from St. Louis to Chicago, picked me up, take me out to Lake Forest, Illinois, right outside Chicago where the train camp is. And it's you know, essentially like a meat market. I mean, you have orthopedic surgeons on both sides of you manipulating every joint to see how they work. And my agent had already talked to them about my knee, so I thought everything was good. Um, unfortunately, stayed overnight the next day when he took the bus over to the practice field Everybody else got off the bus and was taken one way, and me and another guy were taken another way when we were directed to the director of the player personnel office where I was given a plane ticket home. So I stayed overnight. And literally, needless to say, that was pretty devastating for me. I was in my early 20s, and that's, you know, I wanted all my life to play some You had been focusing sports. on that your yeah, whole yeah. teenage high school career, yeah, and it was yeah. done like that. Yeah, right? and the thing was, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a really big guy. I have good athletic ability. Uh, I'm a fan of wrestling. I don't want to get a real job. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I think it'd be perfect for me. But my point is, I had the opportunity to do that. You know from all the things that you've done, the opportunities that you've had in your life. We also know from traveling around the world, you don't always get those opportunities to live the life you want to live right. in other places. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a grandfather now. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just said that in public. So, uh, <laughs> That's but, your voter appeal. Yeah. yeah but, Lovable grandfather, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when I look at my grandkids, you know, I worry that they'll have those kind of opportunities that I've had. And it is worth protecting their ability to do that. And that's really why I want to do this. It's also, too, like you said, windows of opportunity. You know what I mean? If the time is right now with your career, with the chance of, of getting into the office, you got to go for it when it comes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know is it, Strategically, yes. Is it something that was hard to get into that you haven't been previously in office? Right. Right. It, uh, it's different. You know, <laughs> there's, I mean, and there's a certain process, and... Uh, you know, you have to, it's like so many other things in life. You don't do it by yourself. You have to have a good team and people that can help you along the way because there's just a lot of stuff, and I can't, you know, there's no way I could do it no, myself. No, I understand, but you don't just come and say, I'm appointing myself a candidate right. for mayor oh, no, for yeah. the Republican Party. You have to right. meet the right people and prove to them that you're well, the guy. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, technically what you have to do is, uh, you know, you get a petition, and you have to have 25 ballot signatures, which are registered voters in Knox County, in my case. But, of course, it takes a lot more than that. Right. If you're going to Probably wasn't that. hard to get those 25, but sign this or else. <laughs> a little more diplomatic <laughs> than that. But. but let me ask you a question. We were talking earlier back there, so like with, with my band Fozzie, it took a long time for people to 
take us seriously because they thought, oh, it's the wrestler guy. Right. And I find that we had to work twice as hard to get people's respect. But once we got it, we had it for life. Was it like was it like that for you at first when you came in there as this you know six foot nine, six foot ten, big guy wrestler, former world champion? Did people go right away like okay, or was it like come on? A little bit of both. Okay. The people that know me, of course, realize mm-hmm. you know, there's something behind that persona. Uh, a lot of people you know don't know me from anything for that. Some people don't know me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is that you know I, I've lived here for years, and I think a lot of people. Do know me uh, as Glenn, not as mm-hmm. just Kane, uh, and and that's been that's been very beneficial. Have you had to do a lot of well, not you have you had to you have to do a lot of knocking on doors, yeah. kissing babies. Is there ever been a time when you knocked on a door and someone was like, "Yes, yeah. well, no, no." no. <laughs> uh, Sorry, anticipating your question. <laughs> no, please, stop. Uh, no, uh, but I have had some people, you know, like you know, big fans. Oh, okay. And that's really cool because they open the door and they're just, you know, <laughs> their jaw drops and they're like, what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> well, Surprise. Well, yeah. Well, what was funny was one time I was, um, uh, we were out and knocking on doors and it was uh, a gentleman and he was, he was in his, he was in his 70s. And, uh, I mean, he, he comes running out and, you know, big fan and just shaking my hand and everything. And he's like, uh, he, and he's like, I gotta go. Raw's coming on, and he just runs back into the house. <laughs> <laughs> and then you always get that. Aren't you on Raw tonight? Like, yeah, I've met mean, a couple I'm times right too. Here. Yeah, this is me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I always say when you work for the WWE and more, more specifically work for Vince, uh, it's it, I call it show business boot camp. And politics is different, but there's a lot of similarities. Is that you learn how to work in front of a crowd, behind the scenes, drama, comedy, producing, directing, a little bit of everything. If you come out of there with a little bit of a head on your shoulders, you will have the upper hand over normal, quote-unquote, people that don't have that experience. Right. Has that helped you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's helped me tremendously, you know. Um, you and I have both done some acting, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to brag on us WWE superstars, but a lot of actors cannot do what we do. Mm-hmm. Okay, we will get, hey, here's your promo. Uh, oh, you're on in five minutes. Yeah. And it's a 10-minute promo. And that's not a joke. That, that is no joke. Vince and it's live told, TV. Vince hasn't approved it. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But the thing is, when you get that promo, you're expected to know it and yeah. deliver it. And this is live TV. Yeah. And so there are a lot of people in the acting industry who can't do that. That's what's expected of us as a league. So the ability to think on your feet, as you said, the ability really to be able to articulate and present ideas in a way that people can understand and appreciate is something else that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, when Vince talks about promos, what does he always say? It's like a match. And, you know, you have your spots, but you're, you're building towards the most important part, which is the finish, which is the big climax. And uh, that's helped me a lot with, say, with my speech writing and my remarks, because I have to keep in mind where I'm going, the point that I want to make, and what do I want to leave the people who are listening? And what is the point that I want them to remember the most? You know, and you mentioned acting, and it's uh, and I'm not just saying this because we're talking, but I think the two greatest gimmicks in WWE history are Undertaker and Kane. Um, you guys agree with that? Yeah. Thanks. Longevity standpoint, credibility standpoint, uh, committing to the to the act to the gimmick. Taker's different. Didn't have a mask. From the moment I first met you, one of my favorite things, and 
now you don't have, but at the, you could sell so well wearing a mask. And that is very, very, very hard. That is true acting. You couldn't even see your face, which is another Vince thing. It's your moneymaker. Here's your moneymaker. Your moneymaker was an expressionless piece of whatever that was, leather. Uh, you know, I mean, th there's a lot of ways we can go here. But when you, when you, how were you able to do that and articulate the selling of the match with the mask on? Did you even realize what you were doing? Or did you have a conscious effort to do that? It was, yeah, it was a conscious effort. Mm -hmm. uh, I did realize, okay, I don't have my face to show emotion, portray emotion. And that's really what our business is about, right? It's mm -hmm. about evoking emotion from the audience. That's the most important thing. Uh, I, I couldn't do that because my face is covered. So I had to really exaggerate our body language to keep that in mind. Um, you know, I would start doing the head cock and the head tilt, mm -hmm. right? And that was something I remember Bruce Richard saying, man, you got, you know, that says more than, than anything. You know where I got that, though? I can guess by what I hear from you. Yeah. I had a St. Bernard. Oh, <laughs> that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> I had a St. Bernard, and when she was inquisitive, she would cock her head one right. way. When she was hungry, she would cock her head the other way. You know, that's where I got the whole head cock thing with, with the, with the mask, which is my dog. I thought you were going to say from Michael Myers. Yeah. Because that was like that, too. He was that Dude, little... no, nothing that good. I got it from Annie, my St. Bernard. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but Vince once told me, and... Uh, I remember he, he said this in front of Austin and, and Taker. And he's like, uh, and I just really started. It was Kane. You know, he's like, you know, don't forget to make expressions under your mask because someday you might take it off. And we all laughed. <laughs> you know, and then, of course, a few years later, I took the yeah, mask off. Well. And uh, a lot of times what happens is, yeah, guys that work with the mask end up having a dead face because they forget how important the facials are. Uh, but seriously, I, I, I took his advice wisely seriously and when the mask came off um you know there it was and that that just added along my body you, you know what too it's like i always say the, the the greatest performers have the versatility to be a great baby face and a great heel it's not easy to do i never i never found flair to be as good of a baby face as he was a heel for example you are not only good as a baby face and a heel but also as a baby face with a mask and a heel with a mask it's your your Four. You're like a, a square of, 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 of diversity. Very interesting. I think you might be the only guy that's ever been that way. Thanks. I, I never thought about that. But, you know, seriously, the, the mask helped me out tremendously. So when you first came up here, and I want to talk uh, about your other gimmicks that you had before you attained, uh, one in particular, which I know you hate. But what, what They just made an action figure about that. You know, that's, <laughs> like right, the biggest, that's the biggest joke on me ever because just when I think the thing is buried, now people are coming up with action figures and I have to be nice and sign them. So every time, <laughs> every time I drive past Decatur, Illinois, <laughs> I take a picture of the sign and send it to Glenn. There's never any response. Yeah. Decatur, Illinois was the home of Dr. Isaac Yankum. Yeah. Uh, Decay. Get it? Sure. Decatur. Uh, so this... Hot young upstart, seven yeah. foot tall, solid muscle, you know, long hair, you know, everything comes up to the WWE and tell me the process right. of what happened. So happens. here's what happened. Jim Ross is another guy that I need to give a shout out to. Yes. He's tremendously helpful in my yeah. career. Because Jim would commentate big shows G here in Smoky Jim Mountain. Jim was doing Smoky Mountain yeah. Wrestling. He got me a tryout with, with the Fed, with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, New, New York, York, brother. New York, that's it. And, uh, I got a contract very quickly after that, um, and Vince wanted to meet me, you know, in his office. J.J. Dillon was still head of talent racing at the time. 
How so, intimidating is that, though, going to Vince's yeah. office in, in Stanford? Right. Well, see, what happened was they flew me from McGee Tyson Airport in Knoxville up to LaGuardia, picked me up in a limousine. I ain't never been in a limousine in my life. I grew up <laughs> on a farm in rural Missouri, all right? So I'm like, man, this is, I've made it. I'm a WWE superstar. This is the greatest thing ever. I'm riding in a, in a, a limo from LaGuardia to Stanford, Connecticut, going to JJ's office, sitting there. Vince walks in, right? And, um, you ever have one of those days when everything is going right and, you know, your rocket ships, just as Booker T says, you know, they strap the rocket to you, you're shooting towards the moon, and then the engines blow. And you're plummeting downward. And that's what happened. Vince, Vince says, Glenn, have you ever been afraid to go to the dentist? No, that's, sir. That's peculiar, right? Yeah, it's peculiar. But, you know, everybody's like, you know, Vince, is, he wants to get inside your head, right? No, no, sir. He's like, well, I've always had this idea for a character. A wrestling dentist. Isaac Yankum. Yeah. Yeah, meanwhile, that's what I hear. Boom! There are the engines. Isaac Yankum. I yank And you always laugh. I yank him. I think you'll be perfect for it. So here I am, as I said. I've never been in a limo before. I'm sitting across the most powerful man in my industry, and I'm trying to keep a poker face. Meanwhile, I'm going... Dude, you just flew me all the way from Knoxville to tell me you're going to make me a wrestling dentist? <laughs> yeah, and I flew back. I just, I was, I flew back home. And, and, but really, in the, in the end, the thing was on me. Um, you know, it just, that wasn't a character that, that I could invest in. And I didn't. And, uh, you know, so the, it was, it was my fault. And then, you know, we had the next, the, 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 the next one. But. It's hard. I remember Ron Simmons tells a great story. Oh, man. <laughs> when they gave him, do you remember Ron came in as Farouk, which I'm still not sure, some kind of an Egyptian warrior or something yeah. like this. He's got a blue blue helmet. Yeah, no, no one was really sure. Right. Yeah. And it's once again, you got this you got this big giant dude who came right out of WCW World Champion, and he's yeah. massive and yeah. sat him down. Had, you know, football pedigree, all American. Everything, everything yeah. you could want. Yeah. And same with you. Everything you could yeah. ask for. And then came in and said, uh, Ron, here's what I got for you. And pulled out this box with a blue helmet. And Ron took it out and started laughing. Oh, what it, did I do? It tell was, it was, it was a silver helmet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was a silver helmet. And Ron's like, you know, Ron, Vince starts laughing. Ron starts laughing. Vince says, I love it. Ron's like, I love it too. <laughs> so then, but Ron's like, but Ron's like, can we do something about the helmet? And Vince's like, oh yeah, the helmet's all wrong. Helmet's all wrong. So Ron goes home. And like a week later, he's got a box from WWE. He opens it. It's a baby blue helmet. And he's like, <laughs> what did he say, folks? Exactly. Damn. <laughs> That's where that came I from. The way Ron says it. I was yeah. laughing like, oh, this can't be real. Yeah. I love it. I love it too, Vince. Yeah, I love it. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think but, it's but, great. But that was Vince's thing. Like when I came in, I had the idea for Y2J and it was going to be the name of my finishing move. And Vince goes, no, no, no. Y2J is not your finishing move. You're Y2J. And then after that, all he called me was Y2J because Chris Jericho didn't exist anymore because yeah. Y2J was his creation. Probably the same with Isaac yeah, Beckham and, and Farouk. These are my creations. Yeah, and you, but you talk about timing. And WWE at that point, it was 1995, and we were in, you guys think it's BG now. We were super BG. Oh, okay. before yeah, I Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what it was. Uh, I was. I was one of the last of this sort of over-the-top cartoon characters. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and Austin... Austin was just he was he was still ringmaster. Mm -hmm. You know, he hadn't he hadn't really taken off yet. So um 
I got I just got caught in in that time. The middle, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. When uh, just one more question about Dr. Isaac Yankum from Decatur, yeah, Illinois. If we can wrap this up real quick, that'd be great. <laughs> Actually, I'm enjoying this. I never had a chance to talk to you about it. Your, your teeth were all messed up. Oh, man. Was yeah. that like a uh, like a false teeth? Did that no, I, I, I painted them. I had oh, used, it, it tasted terrible. No, was you that Vince's thing? You got that, bad teeth. Yes, he thought it would be ironic if his dentist had bad teeth. And then, you know, and then I mean, what you, you, get, the, you, know, you get the whole... The whole countdown, ah, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. boom, break the walls down. Right. I got a dental drill. <laughs> that was your music? That was my music was the dentist drill. Wee. Yes. <laughs> so here I come. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you did have a good match with Bret Hart during that time. Thank though. you. Yeah, Bret, Bret actually was trying to. Yeah, Bret, Bret, yeah. So, was... so when did they finally go, okay, Isaac Yankum is not the way to go. We got something else for you. So then, then we moved on to the other one. But what made what with, made what made the move on? What was wrong with Isaac Vince? It, it, yeah, it just it just didn't work, gotcha. and it didn't you know didn't get over. And like I said, in the, in the end, that's you know in the end that was me. I I, I wasn't invested in the character like I should have been. But you're but, quintessential Vince wrestler. Obviously, he wants yeah. to find something that works. So what does he come up with next? Yes, the next it was the fake Diesel thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Okay, so we're, meeting number two. So me, yeah. Well, actually. Actually, we were over, like, I think we were in South America. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, South Africa at the time. And I remember Jerry Briscoe's, you know, uh, Vince wants to talk to you when you get home. So, you know, I call the office, and they'd already been, I think they'd already been throwing out some seeds for that. But, yeah, you're, you're going to be uh, the imitation diesel. Um, and, you know, JR, who is beloved by everybody, has, um, yeah, he's going to be the heel manager. And... Uh, <laughs> Really, I didn't. I forgot yeah. about that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Was was the thing that the the concept behind it was Jr. was you know was ticked off, so he was going to destroy WWE uh, by proving that he could bring in you know right. guys back. So he brought you me. in. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and the fake razor. And the who, fake razor. There's a guy from Calgary called Rick Titan, who uh, I worked with for years there. Yeah, and I remember because he's he's the same as you for thinking I got a big break. This is it, and he's like, "Dude, you're gonna make me the big razor Ramon." <laughs> and I, he was like, "I was like, well, meanwhile I'm sitting there going, man, this is a step up." <laughs> <laughs> but I remember telling him, I said, "Well, listen, okay, so uh, Michael Keaton was Batman, and then he got replaced by Val Kilmer, and then replaced by George Clooney, or like you know Sean Connery, but Roger Moore, you can do it. Like it's it's actually kind of a cool idea. I'm trying to help him out. You know, I think you'd be able to do it." So he started studying like the moves and trying to punch like Razor Ramon and talking like him and everything. And then of course you guys go up there together and it just did not. Yeah, it, it did, did not work. No, it didn't work. It didn't I mean, translate. yeah, because you know, I mean, you know. <laughs> speechless. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, it was just the the concept was good. Um, you people can't dislike Jr. So that oh, didn't work, right? You know, and he was the linchpin for the whole thing. You know, and you know, it just fell apart. It's different, too, like when you're talking about, and I use the Michael Keaton example. They're playing a character that's already established. They're playing yeah. Batman, Batman, Batman. You're playing a character that was invented by Kevin Nash. Right, exactly. was Invented by yeah. Scott Hall. So did you ever hear from Kevin Nash about that or talked about it years later? No, no. I mean, he just laughed about it. Right. We never really, you know, we never really, yeah. So that didn't last very long because I know no. a lot of the, most of that time you were like over or in Mexico or went down Memphis. To, yeah, I was working in Memphis a little bit. Uh, went down to Mexico where I I got deported from Mexico. Oh, uh, yeah, long story. Okay, yeah, uh, <laughs> not worthy of the mayor no, of Knox well, actually, County. It, yeah, I, I will tell you this story. What, what happened was 
um, we didn't have the um, we didn't have the correct work visas. I was told I had an application for a work visa. Um, I was actually born in Spain. I was born in the U.S. Really? Air Force Base in Madrid. Glenn yeah. Jacobs. Yes. <laughs> uh, nine months prior to uh, being in born in Spain, my family was in France. My dad wanted to name me after both countries. He wanted to name me Pierre Jose. Luckily, my mother and <laughs> luckily my mother and sister intervened, and that did not happen. Uh, I don't know if Glenn is that great, but it's certainly better than Pierre, Pierre Jose. Jose Jacobs for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, um, but anyway, so but here's the thing. Uh, I took Span I, I took some Spanish courses in high school and college. I can't speak a lick of Spanish. It's awful. Yeah. I was born in Spain. You know, unless and I, you I, practice yeah, it, you yeah, don't know. Yeah, right? it's terrible. So you know, uh, the guy's saying, you know, the immigration uh, dude is saying you, you don't have you have the application, you don't have the actual visa. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I don't know. So um, they had it was Rick and me, and uh, we were in the immigration um, headquarters in Juarez, Mexico, right across the bridge from El Paso. It's literally like 50 yards. The famous place where Eddie Guerrero's family yes. is from, and everything. yeah, so. They have our passports, and when the gentleman said, um, you know, he said, you don't have the right deal. Anyway, so I'm like, well, this is just a misunderstanding. Couldn't, of course, you can't get hold of the office in Mexico. I was, right. This is back before cell phones, so I had to use a pay phone to call WWE. Anyway, so the guy goes, or I say, well, you know, this is just a mistake. Um, you know, we can get it taken care of once we get back to the U.S. The dude goes, Oh, you can't leave. Ooh. So I'm thinking to myself, look, uh, going to prison in Mexico is not very high on my bucket list. <laughs> so I already had my plans made of how I was going to get out of there, sprint across the bridge, and jump into the arms of the first border guard that I saw from America. <laughs> but luck, but luckily they just you know gave us a small fine. <laughs> and he was passports let us go. But it was pretty scary when I was sitting in that office. And the whole time you were a contracted WWE yeah. employee. And what you know what am I doing in Mexico with this gimmick and all this stuff? <laughs> so finally you go and what's the next step after a diesel is not working? A diesel two is not good. What's the next step? So the the we next don't, we don't have to mention the Christmas creature. We'll no, no, that, that, that was way back. We'll say that for part we'll say two. that for part two. Yeah. Um, so the next step was uh, was Kane because they were looking for uh, they were looking for an opponent for Undertaker, but initially they needed someone for an upcoming pay per view, so they wanted to hot shot the whole thing, right? And I was just it was just a one and done, mm. okay. And then Vince though liked the idea so much that he really got invested in it. And you know the reason that Kane a lot of people say that. The debut of Kane was one of the best in WWE history, and the reason for that was, it was the reason for that was because there'd been like a three or four month buildup to where you never saw. Mm. All Barris started talking about him. You know, you had this whole backstory, and uh, Undertaker's brother, yeah, burned had, in a fire. Yeah, this whole elaborate backstory, and then of course you got into Taker versus Shawn at the in your house, and they forgot about Kane for like two weeks, and so it fell off everybody's radar. But then, you know, at the end of the match, here I come, which actually was haunts that Hell in the Cell. Yeah, yeah, the first one, and that actually haunts me to this day because, of course, 
You know, I'll be out in public and people are like, that's got to be Kane. <laughs> Vince. But in any, any case. Yeah. Is that what Vince said? Yeah. Yeah. Vince is, Vince is doing commentary at the time. He's like, that's got to be Kane. That's got to be Kane. I've heard that the next 22 years. <laughs> but look, I want to talk a little bit about, about because for me, when I came in as, as Chris Jericho, YTJ, there was never any design or anything. Cause it was just me. Turned up to the 10th degree. I kind of created my own, you know, costumes and all that sort of thing. But when you came in to find out, you know, you've got this, we got this character, Kane, were there designs given to you? Yes. Drawings? Yes. Uh, and when I saw the creative, uh, you know, because you think, okay, here's a dude that's, that's uh, at the time the story was, uh, he'd, been, he'd been burned. Well, remind me to come back to that, okay. by the way. Burn. You know, remind, he, remind, burn. Please, remember that. burn, remember. Um, but, you know, so he, he dons a mask because he's horribly uh, disfigured, uh, unstable, mentally insane, crazy. You know, so I thought that it would be something where, you know, basically he would look like uh, he'd escaped from an institution or something like that. Like a Michael Myers yeah, or something like this. Yeah. yeah, right. So then I then I get the creative for the costume, and it looked like a superhero. Hmm. And it had, remember, it had the cape. I wore that I wore that one time. It was a cape? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I only wore it like once. I think really? I wore it at my, my uh, debut at Madison Square Garden. That's the only time. But yeah, I mean, it was it was like, you know, the superhero thing, and... and, and um, so I, I called Vince, and, uh, which was uncomfortable, of course, because here, you know, I finally get my big break, and I'm already complaining about it's it. round three. Yeah, yeah here, we, here we go. <laughs> Can't make this guy happy no matter what we do. Um, but I'm like, you know, boss, this, uh, I, you know, thought it would be more of what I described. And he's like, no. He's like, the operative word for Kane is cool. Hmm. And that's what he envisioned. Really? You know, he's like, the other thing is what everybody's going to expect. Huh. He's like, but I want it to be cool. You know, it's, once again, we talk a lot about Vince, but how could we not after, you know, 40-odd years between the two of us? And there was the, the Isaac Yank and the Diesel, but the guy, when he strikes, he strikes oh, man, hard. Yeah. And his vision for that, because imagine if you were just another guy in yeah, coveralls that we'd and, seen a and, thousand and that's times. What he, that's, right? that's what he, that was his point. He's like, and everybody's going to expect that. It's been done. This has never been done. Hmm. You know, and the reason that Kane dresses like that is because inside his mind he has to make up for you know the disfigurement and everything by looking as cool as he possibly can and looking like a superhero. Mm. What was it like for the mask? Was that the original design? Was that yes, yeah, that's the original design. It always reminds me of Eddie from Iron Maiden. Have you ever heard yeah. that? If you look at, at the Iron Maiden cover, it kind of has that same like uh, thing around the mouth. Was it hard though? Because it's very it's very stiff. Um. So the mask was actually made by some folks in New York City that specialize in um, specialize in S and M stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so uh, and it was so funny because they were really nice professional people. Uh, and of course, I was like, you know, would you like to see your other work? No, thank you. <laughs> really nice professional people wearing assless chaps. It was weird. <laughs> they, they weren't. Yeah, but, no, not you. They. Yeah. Were, yeah. No. <laughs> But no, the mask was leather, mm-hmm. and it was molded, so it was hard when I first when I first got. Um, in fact, one time I remember um, I was uh, had a match with um, someone, and I gave him a power slam, and our heads sort of hit. And um, I, I looked down, and there's, there's blood on the mat, dripping down the mat, and I'm like, "What's he bleeding from?" Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, get in the back, and I take the mask off, and I had I had a real bad box. Oh, it was you? Yeah, and the thing was. It was from there was a little there was a little corner in the mask from the leather and that was sharp 
and it was it was so sharp it was just like a scalpel mm-hmm. you know i didn't even know i was cut until i kind of looked at it afterwards so it was that that was the only incident like that that i had but yeah the mask was really hard it had leather rivets that held on the straps and remember at the time that was my real hair mm-hmm. went halfway down my back yeah extremely proud of it you always Cri- wore a ponytail yeah crystal my wife was so upset when i shaved it <laughs> uh, she really loved it but uh but the thing about it was, with those leather or those uh, brass rivets, every time that you know, I would I would pull the hair through the uh, the straps and the rivets, and they would end up shredding my hair. Mm. So after every match, I would have to spend like half an hour detangling my hair in, oh. in the shower. So there were those were I mean, as weird as that sounds. Those were the real challenges with it. But like as people ask me about breathing and stuff, it never never affected my breathing. My peripheral vision was fine. You know, it's funny, though, people kind of laugh, but it's the same thing when you see Gene Simmons in the early days of Kiss. He had really long hair. The more fire he blew, caught yeah. him, and then suddenly he has no hair. Same thing happened to you. It got shorter and shorter over the years from all of it getting pulled out with that yeah. mask. Was there only one mask, or did you have a couple? I, I had a, yeah, I had, I had a bunch. Because what would happen, too, is especially with the leather, uh, as it would get wet from perspiration, and, and of course, uh, my hair is curly and it gets really frizzy you guys remember when i was in the royal rumble for like an hour <laughs> and remember how i started out my hair looked really cool and it was all <laughs> slicked back by the end of it i you know by the end of it i looked like art uh, garfunkel yeah my, my hair's <laughs> i would have to pack so much product in my hair to keep it looking wet and all right. that stuff would, would greasy soften, yeah it would soften the mask and then it would start you know it had all that texture and it. it would start losing the texture and the shape mm. uh and also from traveling and that sort of thing so i went through those pretty fast so let's say you get like three masks to start and one of them starts going you need a new one Is, are you paying for that you're giving vince the bill uh, I, I was i was paying for them we got to pay our yeah. own stuff too guys something you never really know yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny because we're notoriously cheap like if you see our you see our uh knee pads and elbow pads Oh, those things go just like years and years and years. I, think I know guys that, I know guys that wear the same socks for twenty years. And you know who I'm talking. It's not you, but you know who no, I'm no, talking no, about. Yeah, no, it's not me. I know yes. who you're talking about. And I also, yeah. it might have been you. For, I know for me, it might have been both of us where the end of our boots started coming up. So you just tape it with, uh, yeah. with athletic tape. So here we are. You know, million dollar right. athletes, WrestleMania yeah. main event with taped up boots because yeah. we're too cheap to get yeah, new don't, ones. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Don't shoot the, shoot the toe of my boot See, because my sock's coming through. He's so frugal. Imagine what he'll do with the budget in Knox exactly. County. Yay. Right? <laughs> that fits. This is, this is something else that's very uh, – and pe- I don't know if anyone's ever pointed this out, but one thing I always thought you really worked well was the gimmick of the glove. Yeah. One glove. That became part of your character of pulling down the glove and – it, it just I just really thought that was a cool little detail that you always focused on. And that was one of those days I just started doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like, you know, what can I do to make this different? It just started just became it one of your yeah. things. And another thing is that you had three guys in the company with the same finisher, the choke slam. Yeah, you did true. it, Taker did it, Show did it. Yeah. And it was like always you choke slam. It was like, it was like a Mexican Tarantino standoff. You would hit him, he would hit you, and you would like all three together. We never – actually, it would have been pretty cool if we debate all three out there. Do a triple choke slam to each other. I'll yeah. tell you this, though. This is another true story, another reason why I love Glenn so much. Uh, Big Show, one of my best friends, but he has the stiffest choke slam in the world. His is like he's putting the baby to bed. Right up and nice and down. Thank you. I'll take a choke slam from every night. <laughs> there you go. So, um, I was going to say, too, another thing I really enjoyed about the whole character of Kane over the years is when you did start out, you know, very this vicious, evil character and then but there's a over the last four or five six years a real comedic element to it yeah. as well 
once again showing the diversity that you can do. What, was that strange for you when it was first pitched to you, or did you pitch it to Vince? Or? Actually, it was Brian James that was mm. talking about it because, you know, um, I, at the time I was going to production meetings, you know, so I was seeing everything that was going on, and they were talking about this thing with Daniel Bryan and me, and I remember Road Dog saying, man, that, that could be a, a great tag team. Sure enough, it was. Um, and that was actually, that was the most fun I've ever had in my career. Really? Yes, because for all those years, I had played a character that was really dark, you know, and uh, I finally got to be, you know, the, the comedic relief on the show. And it was great, too, because, yeah, if you'd, have, you know, if you'd have told people in 2001 or whatever, 2003, that Kane was going to be the guy you're laughing at, no one would have believed it. Mm -hmm. So it really was. I mean, it, that was some of the best times that I had because it was something completely different, and it, it just freshened my entire attitude up because I, I got to look, you know, I got to, to looking forward to going to work. So like, man, what are we going to do today? Mm -hmm. You know. So different from yeah, what you've now, been used to. if you would have presented that to me in 1997, I'd have been like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever... No, I'm not doing that. I'm a tough guy. Can I go back to the dentist, please? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was... Like... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite there, but yeah. <laughs> but it was team hell no. Yeah. And once again, showing the diversity of you as a performer, I, I remember the, the, the hugging, the group hug. You guys yeah. would go to a psychiatrist and all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, like you said, week by week, it was just, what can we do next? That's, That's what, what it was, yeah. And, you know, my hat's off to Daniel Bryan mm -hmm. because he's, he's so great. And I think because we, uh, you know, he and I are really good friends um, off camera. And I think that chemistry. Chemistry was there. Yeah, yeah because it was like, yeah, what can we do to make this thing work and, he and to make each other look great? And he wasn't the Daniel Bryan that he is now either. He no. was still work. That helped him a lot yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, we, we both were able to get sort of a rub off each other. And uh, both of us, I think, benefited from it. And, yeah, his character was different. I mean, towards the end, of course, he became much more serious. But that's when he was, you know, that's when the yes wasn't something that people, you know, he was doing yes. Chanted even wasn't no. there. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, being in the business as long, being in WWE as long as you have, do you like that when you get a chance to work with somebody new and know that you're helping them? Yeah. And they're helping you fresh Yeah, that, well? that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know. I had the same thing with Kevin Owens last yeah. year. It just made it so, it was like this new, I would say it's like you're like a miner, and you find this whole new vein of gold that you never knew existed, and you're just like, oh, this is it. Yeah, and that, that's so rewarding, too, because, you know, uh, again, in our business, we are only partly responsible for our success. You know, mm -hmm. it's a team, and, and really, you know, like our, our production crew and everybody, they don't get enough credit. They're mm -hmm. awesome. But it's also the people that we work with. I wouldn't be where I am if Undertaker hadn't done what he did for me. I mean, if he'd have been like, that that kid stinks, I don't want to work with him, I wouldn't be sitting here. Right. I can tell you that. You know, so um, when I look and I say, if I can help someone else out in whatever way, I have to do that because people did it for me. Mm -hmm. Did it take a while for you to get Undertaker's respect? Because if you look over the years, the guys, any big guy that came in, they give him the Taker. Right. Some do good. Most do not. If you look at, I remember I was talking to Taker about his streak, and it's like, oh man, you've had these great matches. He said, yeah, I've had these great matches the last six years working with Sean yeah. and Hunter and Punk and Roman. Because look at the ones that had the first five, six, seven, eight years. They were not classics. Yeah. So he's working with the Giant Gonzaleses and the Mr. Hughes and all these guys. Then you come in. Was there chemistry right off the bat? Yeah, he uh, uh, he pulled me aside one day and he told me basically, you know, you're you're going to have to uh, 
You have to be, become much more assertive. He used stronger language than that. <laughs> but that, that, was, that was the end. Basically, you got to pick up the steam. And, and yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah, you got to take stuff, you know, and you have to do what you have to do to get yourself over. Um, but I think that he always saw potential in me. And being a smart guy, he realized, yeah, that this is someone that I can do things with for, for years. Another classic team, too, the Brothers of Destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember this? Someone just showed me this the other day. I just saw it on Twitter. I, had, I totally forgot about it. It was Madison Square Garden, main event of Raw. People hanging from the rafters, never seen so many people. Isn't that right? It was me and Show versus Sean and Hunter versus you and Taker. Do you remember that? I don't know if I remember that. Isn't it funny? One. that like, yeah. What a huge match, right? And we don't even remember these things because we're working so much. Yeah. And I actually watched it back. It was, it was 12 minutes or so, but it was really, really good. But you guys were a great team. It's the Brothers of Destruction. Yeah, it was, it was unique, you know. Yeah. And, and what was really cool, man, was going into the Royal. It was a yeah, the Royal Rumble. That was that was in San Antonio. Taker versus Sean in the casket match, mm -hmm. right? You guys know the '98 maybe yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, so we had done a deal. It was in State College, Penn State University, and did a thing where DX attacks Sean and Hunter attack Taker. And Taker and I had been teasing that we were going to you know, come together, right? And this is before the WrestleMania match and all that stuff. And the crowd starts chanting. And it's, it's, it's sold out. It really is. It's back to the rack. It's sold out. And, the, yeah, they're, they're chanting. You know, the crowd is chanting, we want Kane. When Taker's in the ring. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think the story had been so big, uh, so well done from the beginning that, you know, I don't think the audience ever really wanted to see us fight each other i think they wanted to see us destroy everyone else yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know which is what the way why yeah. it worked yeah did, did vince ever give you any direction after you first started do a little bit more of this do less of that yeah yeah what would he again it was it was it was uh, very assertive <laughs> <laughs> he wants you to be more yeah take more yeah as yeah. A size guy, yeah yeah and by that time i did i mean you know mm. by, by that time i knew that um there was there was a lot riding on the character, not only for me, but for the company, because they made a huge investment. I mean, right, anytime, right. you know, anytime that they have that sort of build up, um, we have to understand from a business perspective, every minute of Monday Night Raw is worth so many millions of dollars. Right. So if they're willing to put that into you, that's a big investment. So, yeah, by that point, I was a lot more company. And that's the thing about life and your career is often you, you need those bad learning experiences early on to be able to come successful later. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's what happened with me is I was like, okay, you know, I know how to do this now. Um, but yeah, you know, Vince, a lot of it would just, you know, he would just have suggestions, um, you know, or, uh, whatever. The taker had a lot of input as well. It didn't help me with it. Because he knew that, that you can make money with him. Too, right. right. Yeah. You know, speaking of, of, of making money, you and I have worked each other probably, I don't know, a hundred times, 200 times, so many times. Um, and it's funny to think, like, a couple of them stand up, but one of my, I'm not going to say favorite angles, but probably one of the most uh, interesting was our angle started with me spilling a cup of coffee on you. <laughs> yeah. You remember that? I, yeah. I, I mean, because Vince, Vince loves coffee, so he's always got angles by the coffee machine, which doesn't even really yeah. exist. That's just uh, occurring. Yeah, again, you got Kane, who's this monster. He's hanging out by the coffee machine. Right. What's, what's going on, everybody? And I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turn around, and I spill a cup yeah. of coffee on Kane, and because you were burned, which is Vince told me, yeah. he's burned. So yeah. the coffee burns his skin, he freaks out. I'm like, it's kind of a different thing, a blazing inferno. Yeah. 
and then as opposed to the lukewarm water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we must. I think we did about three months after that coffee spill. Yeah, you were really pissed off at me. I was. Dude, it was my best suit. You got a coffee stain on it, man. What were you thinking? You know, dude, that glove. That glove smelled sometimes. I'm sorry, it did. Oh, dude. Yeah. Used to put. Used to put Febreze on it. You guys know Febreze. Yeah. So it kind of smells nice for a bit, but then it smells if you like sprayed like cologne on a corpse. <laughs> it, it's it, it made the choke slam that much more effective because the guy couldn't breathe when I grabbed him. Maybe that's why I never felt it. It was like ether. It just yeah. put me to sleep. <laughs> but we had a uh, we had a uh, a really good last man standing match. Yeah, um, and it's another one that I I find over the years sometimes I get in the mood if somebody sends something or mentions it. I watch it. It's like a really good match. Remember the finish of that match? Yes, you. We had that big, huge wall of uh, uh, like oil barrels. oil drums. Yeah, yeah, that you tipped over on me. Yeah, it was Shane's idea. Yeah, because Kane is an unstoppable monster. That I would push this big, giant wall of oil barrels onto him, and you wouldn't be able to get up. Yeah, which in theory was I'm like, dude, I'm like 215 pounds. So I'll just do side a rocket, and then they had it kind of gimmicks that would fall on you but not hit you, right? Yeah. And then you put your hand up yep. through it. Yep. You know, just stuff like that you forget. But that was pretty pretty inventive. But, you know, okay. So this has happened to me a lot in my career. Um, I remember I went like 60 minutes in the Royal Rumble, and then and, and Drew Carey's in the Royal Rumble. So, you know, <laughs> you know then so I, I, win, I, win, I win the World Championship against Stone Cold Steve Austin, but Mick Foley goes flying off the cage multiple times. Right. All right. Yeah. Um, and then you and I have that match. It's a really good match. But then they had, what was it that they had was the uh, was the main event was like the Hell in the Cell, like eight man or whatever were uh, Junior. Uh, yeah. Rikishi. Yeah. Uh, Taker choke slammed him off of the top of it and stuff. So it was like the next day. You know, we're just we're sitting there. You and I I was like, yeah, it's a great match, and you know, <laughs> hey, hey, here's all the highlights from the main event. And we're like, yeah, I'm good. We, we had a good one. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Another time we were in Houston and we had a. It was a, for the Intercontinental Championship. It was main event of Raw. Uh, place was packed. Hanging from the Raptors. Never seen so many people. Um, and they it, they gave us three segments. It was a long. It was a big deal. So I was like, this, this was pre five hour energy. I really didn't drink coffee. I need I need to make sure I got energy. So I went to the like a truck stop on the way to Houston. I bought these things called yellow jackets. You guys know what a yellow jacket is? Yeah, well, uh, so did I because I took the thing and we had this really great match. It was awesome. And then I drove up and down the highway in Houston <laughs> till four in the morning. So it was just like, <laughs> turn around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then here's the best one of all. We're in uh, uh, India. And it's Halloween. I'll start it, and then you stop. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah. Okay, so uh, we had this meeting where uh, Vince was like, he has a team meeting. He's like, Yo, damn it. You guys got to start feeling things more. If you're at a house show and you, you feel like doing a run-in, just do it. Don't second-guess it. Just do it. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So it was Halloween. It might not have been in India, but the one I'm thinking of was it was Halloween. And Jeff Hardy. I'll tell the story. Okay. <laughs> so what had happened was, we had just done the brand extension, and Chris and I were going to be on different shows. Uh, so this was the last combined show that we were going to be on, and then everybody, you know, everybody's going to go their separate ways. Um, I can't remember what the match was. Was it like a hardcore match or something like that? Let's say it was. I think it was. So I'm in the ring, and I can't remember who I'm in there with. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I get like slapped in the back with, with something. 
And I, <laughs> sorry, so I, it's Halloween. So I, I turn around. <laughs> and there's this guy. <laughs> there's this guy standing there in a mask. And was it a clown mask? I can't remember. Yeah, sure. Holding a mud flap over his head. <laughs> a mud flap from the back of a semi. And I go, I'm like, I didn't know who it was, so I go to defend myself by hitting him, and he goes, it's me. <laughs> He's got a mask on. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's me, it's me. And he, he's, he's standing up and down just bouncing with the mud flap over his head. <laughs> It's me. It's me. And then I realize it's Chris. And then, then of course, I'm just, I just, I don't even know what I did. I you choked slamming. Yeah. You put me to bed. No, because they said just go for rent. So Jeff had a, he, Jeff brought a bunch of Halloween masks. Yeah. But not for any of us. He just had them all in his pocket. Yeah. So I was like, hey, can, I, can I have one of your Halloween masks? Yeah, sure, man. Yeah. Go ahead. So I put the Halloween mask on. I'm like, I need a, I need a, a weapon. So backstage, the mud there's a mud flap. So I grabbed it. This will be funny. Glenn will get a kick out of this. And, of course, I'm wearing a mask. He doesn't know. Just like yeah. Mark. He punches yeah. me. I go, it's me. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was Jack- it was Jacksonville, Florida. I remember that now, yeah. The Jacksonville mud flap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's as me. We- <laughs> as we uh, wind down, we're going to take some of you guys' questions. You wrote some good ones here. But uh, now that you here we are, like you said, 2018, you and I are still here. And we were laughing one time because we're watching uh, a panel and Booker T's on the panel. They go, the, the legend. Was it, it, was, it was Booker T, Mick, and Jerry Lawler. Right. right. Yeah. And yeah. They're, so the Legends panel is, is, is it was a, it was yeah, a, yeah, a Cena versus Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Cena versus Rock. Right. They have a Legends panel. And Chris and I are looking at each other like, wait a second. We work with all these yeah, why is Booker T legends. Legend? Why are they legends? Because we're still here. We're too stupid to leave. Yeah. <laughs> And that rings true. We'll never be legends yet. But, but like I said, you and I, I'll throw, uh, I'll throw Dustin, the old Dustin there, and Triple H once in a while, show when he's around. That's kind of the last of the old guard, and I think you and I probably work more than they do. Um, who, uh, you just did a program with Strowman. Uh, you did some stuff with Finn Balor. Uh, who are some of the guys that you see that, that you think, okay, these guys are going to go on to, to bigger and better things? Oh, yeah, Strowman, definitely. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's awesome. He's um He's come a long way, yeah, and he's just done a phenomenal job. I'm a huge fan of Seth Rollins. Mm. I think that uh, Seth just has everything. I mean, the dude can work with anybody. Um, he's he's just tremendous. Uh, likewise, you know, I remember we were over in Japan, and uh, Cesaro every night was yeah. working with a different guy, had the best match of the of the card yeah. every night. I remember he had one with you, yeah. and every night was a different style. Um, he is extremely, you know, he's extremely underrated. He's just a, a phenomenal talent. Um, and then um, Roman Reigns. I mean, yeah. you know, he's great, man. He I, is. I worked he with is. him a lot last year. He's yeah, really, he, really he good. is. Um, you know, he's one of those. You know, he, he's in that Cena mold where you know people. It's funny because people boom initially. But it's all the because they've conditioned it. to yes. do that. And then well, as you go through the match, they realize this is a heck of a match. This guy's working really hard. It's also you know? because Vince won't do what they want yeah. him to. Right. And as we know, when Vince wants to stay true to something, he doesn't care what anyone else thinks. So, yeah. Yeah. Roman is, is one of those guys. Yeah, he's, well, he's the sure. real deal. Absolutely. He's very good. Um, 
let's let's uh, get some questions here because there's some really good ones. Um, here's a good one. She's actually from from her. I know her. She's right in her. Yeah, it's Brittany. Everyone say hi, Brittany. Come on, hi, Brittany. There we go. Did we leave something out? Is that breaking news? Are we okay? Oh, some, uh, someone left the lights on? Yes. As <laughs> Dutch me. Mantel would say. <laughs> um, the Han, Han, a green Honda Civic, you know, ALU 575. Just lights aren't on. It's just a horrible car. Please move it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a Dutch Mantel. <laughs> so here's a good question. If, you're, if you were to be elected mayor or when you're elected mayor, uh, what do you foresee as your biggest challenge? Unfortunately, the biggest challenge is the drug epidemic. In town? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. just nationwide. Oh, okay. Uh, but the opioid, heroin, and uh, fentanyl and car fentanyl problem is huge. Uh, it's especially bad here because we're at the junction of Interstate 40 and Interstate 75, which it, on the one hand is really good because a lot of commerce moves through our area because of that, uh, but also it brings the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And we are the gateway to Appalachia for all of that bad stuff. Um, that is a problem that the government is not going to be able to solve by itself. It, everybody has to have a hand in that. And by that, I mean you guys. Um, but our schools, our churches, families, civic organizations, nonprofits, everybody's going to have to work on that. Um, it's destroying lives. Uh, almost everyone who is in jail is there as a result in some way of drugs. Um, that's not only a humanitarian crisis, but it's also a fiscal crisis because it costs about $75 a day to keep someone at the detention center. Mm -hmm. You can imagine how much that costs uh, over the course of a year. Uh, my fear is that the next capital project that the county has to engage in is not going to be something that's economically constructive like uh, fixing the roads, building more roads, uh, schools, things like that, it's going to be added on to the attention center. Mm. And that's a tragedy. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting when I hear you talk and obviously see your stature. Like, I would vote for you just because, like, you're a type of, like, if you were going to war, I would be rallying behind you. You know what I mean? Like, it's like it's the, the perception yeah. that you have and your size and just this, this vibe that you have, I'd vote for him. That's just me. I might move to Knox County yeah. just so I can vote for him. Yeah. Um, here's another one. Uh, as one of the biggest superstars ever in WWE history, which opponent's finishing move did you always get nervous about taking? Anybody in particular? I didn't particularly like power bombs oh. um, because I, I saw a couple bad outcomes. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially for me being a bigger guy, uh, you know, because basically you have to be able to flip and do a sit-up uh, in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't get all that done, you could land on your head. Who's uh, going to be giving you a power bomb, though? There were a couple. Batista, maybe? Yeah, Dave. And Dave was always, you know, yeah, yeah. was always good. Just, it was just always, you Taker know, would just lift you off the yeah. ropes, right? Yeah. yeah, when he would do yeah. it. Yeah. But, you know, that's one of those things that's just sort of always in the back of your mind. And, again, it's on me. Uh, it's not on the other no, guy. No. But, you know, things can happen. You can slip or there's mistiming, and uh, like I said, your, your head is pointed straight down. So that was never really a, a, a favorite, you know, favorite finish yours. of mine. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, all the guys that I worked with were, were very good, so they're, they were good. We're going to mention this earlier, and someone said, would fans recognize you in public before you unmasked, or were you able to keep a low profile? I don't know if that's even possible. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so I'm legitimately 6'8", 6'9", 300 and something pounds with hair halfway down my back. 
<laughs> you know, it's not like not like I can go anywhere and people didn't, you know. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny. One of the things I say is um, the one place I would have been safe would have been some of the towns that we worked in for Cornet. <laughs> we called them witness protection program towns because if, if I was in the FBI witness protection program, that's where I would want to be because most people don't even know where those places are, right? There was one town, I can't remember what it was called. It was, uh, uh, the town had 200 people uh, on the sign, population 200, and there was 400 people at the show. <laughs> the other 200 came down from the woods. And that's not a joke. Yeah. So there you go. If you're one of them, you're fine people, but you live in the <laughs> woods. Um, I wanted to ask you earlier, when you finally did unmask for the first time, uh, I remember it was in Madison Square Garden with RVD. Yeah. And you unmasked, and there was, like, your head was half-shaved and all that sort of thing. Was that a, a, a scary moment for you? Was it like Kiss taking off the makeup? Were you ready for it? I was ready for it. Mm -hmm. And Vince and I had that discussion, of course, a few months before that. My thought was I had gone as far as I could with the mask. And mm -hmm. instead of uh, – the thing about the mask is it offered a lot of mystique and mystery. Um, but you know how it is. If you see something every week, eventually it becomes old. Sure. Oh, there's Kane. Who cares? You know. Um, so I really thought that it had become limiting. So I wanted to take it off. Vince thought it'd be a good idea. Everyone else is like, "Why would you ever want to do that? If it ain't broke, don't fix it." You know. Um, but the only two people that really mattered were him and me. Mm -hmm. um, so I was I was ready to do it, and I was ready to go for it at that point. Was it hard to walk around town with a half-shaved head? Yeah, that was that was a little weird. But you know what? <laughs> Where did that come from? Was that it, 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 actually what it, what it was was uh, um, Bruce Pritchard just like they're you know shaving my head. And Bruce Pritchard's like, "Stop! You have bald guys, but you don't have anybody like this." And I just went, oh. <laughs> "Mind your own business, Bruce. Get out of here, Bruce." Yeah. <laughs> said, Let me grab Vince. I'm like, "No, no, it's two ladies walking in. Hey, boss, how you doing?" <laughs> Actually, it was right here in Knoxville, Tennessee, where uh, I switched from long tights to shorts to trunks. Yeah. And I was really nervous because I'd worn long tights my whole career, but I wanted to, once again, change up being this heel with the suit and tie and the slow talking. So I put the, uh, the trunks on, and I walked out, and the first person I saw was Bruce Pritchard. And I was like, oh, no. And he goes, look at you. And I'm like, you look great. Your legs are huge. Why'd you take so long to do this? And I was like, wow, that's really cool. The next person I see is Dean Malenka. He goes, you're going to wear that? You look ridiculous. <laughs> Had the roles been reversed and I saw Dean first, I would never have changed. Yeah. But because I saw Bruce first, I was like, okay, well, yeah. screw you, Dean. <laughs> All right, uh, here's some uh, questions from people in the crowd. And you don't even have to answer this one. It's more of a comment. The potholes in Knoxville are so bad, do you think you could bury Braun Strowman in one? So you guys have seen my Facebook page. I drive the smart car, right? <laughs> Almost buried that in one the other day. <laughs> Here's a good one, Mr. Jacobs. Very polite. Thank you. Uh, if you're elected, are you? If you are elected, are you going to continue to wrestle, or do you? Uh, I can't read the rest of it. Till time, if you do not have a title, forget about that one. If you are elected, are you still going to continue to wrestle? No, I can't. You know, legally, no. you can't. No, well, that's a full. It's a the mayor's a full time job, oh, okay, and gotcha. I would direct all my attention on doing that job as well mm -hmm. as I can. That's a good answer, man. It's perfect. Um, what are your plans for education in Knox County? We need a lot more career and technical education. Um, our, our schools do a fine job academically. And as far as the, the teachers uh, and our administrators work very hard and they care about the kids. Um, my sister is a rocket scientist. 
Jesus. Literally? Yes. She worked at NASA. Wow. Yeah, she has an undergraduate degree in mathematics, another undergraduate degree in archaeology. You think you're a rocket scientist? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yes, that, that's, why I love, that's why I love saying that, because she worked at NASA. You know, um, she, she actually worked on the, uh, she wasn't an engineer, but she, she worked on um, the software for both the space station and the space shuttle, mm -hmm. or the simulators. Um, so she's pretty smart. She has a PhD in history with uh, an emphasis on medieval women's study. Okay? And, yeah, and okay. She's, she's now a professor, history professor at a community college in Oklahoma. My brother, on the other hand, had a lot of trouble in school. He had learning disabilities, and um, he was one of the kids back then that would get onto a bus and go to a vacation at school where he would study auto mechanics. When, when my brother was nine years old, he was taking watches apart and fixing them and putting them back together. Of course, he got in trouble because my mom's like, why do you take your watch apart? And of course, he's like, it works better now. Um, he's a very gifted mechanic. He can take apart. Uh, a very complex piece of machinery, figure out what's wrong with it, fix it, put it back together with no diagrams, no anything. My sister, the rocket scientist, sometimes I wonder if she could put gas in a car. <laughs> right. Both of them have a skill which has allowed them to be successful, productive people. Um, in America, in general, we have lost sight of the need for skilled labor for mechanics or plumbers. Um, and then even nowadays when you're looking at, um, you know, people that work in robotics and that sort of thing because we've pushed everyone to college. College is a very good thing, but it's not for everybody. So we need more emphasis on career and technical education. And our kids should have the tools that they need to excel in whatever area they want, be it going to college or be it going into the trades. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty smart stuff. My sister's a rocket scientist. <laughs> hey, uh, what can you do about the entertainment tax in Knoxville? <laughs> well, we try to get rid of that. <laughs> um, you know, well, the thing is, tax has a detrimental effect on economic activity. You know, and the lower you get your tax rates, the more of something you get. So uh, the lower we can get, you know, lower we can get taxes the better uh, we'll have certain things, and entertainment is one of those things. Hmm. Smart guy, huh? Uh, who's the toughest opponent you ever faced? That's what Destiny asks. Or Chris. Destiny? Oh, she's oh there she is. Hey. Hey. Oh, hey. Who's the toughest opponent you ever faced? Chris Jericho. Yeah, boy! <laughs> Here's the thing. I hate answering questions like that because, as you know, over the course of almost three decades now, I've had the privilege of being in the ring with so many great opponents, and I always leave someone out, and it's hard to pick mm -hmm. the, the toughest one or the best one. Um, so I've, I've, that's my answer. Is I've just been in there with so many great people, including yourself over the years, it's hard for me to pick one. Mm. And you're right, because like you said, when you have that, obviously those guys that weren't as good, but when you have that chemistry, it could be with 15 different guys that you just know every night that this is it, this is the one. Yeah, and then the thing about, you know, from, from the Attitude Era, there's like pretty much everybody you had that with. Yeah, Isn't it, there, was some, yeah, there was some just everybody was great. Thinking about the Attitude Era, there's probably, we could probably name a dozen legit main event right. top, top guys yep. in the locker room at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you and I would be in the opening match. Yeah. You know, they'd have Rock and Austin and Foley and Angle and, you know, the list goes Taker and Sean and the list goes on, Triple H. 
it was just it was amazing. It was unbelievable to have that much talent in one place at the same time. I think people don't understand too. Like that was a time, and the business is great now. Don't get me wrong; this isn't too uh, old fogey right. sitting here. But <laughs> back in my day, rock and harder. We would go from Detroit to Chicago to Buffalo to New York, and that would be your weekend loop. Yeah. Right, flying from place to place that every arena had ten thousand people in it. Yeah, yeah, packed to the rafters, never seen so many people. <laughs> Couldn't fit anyone else in there. But it, it was true. We went through what was like a two-year stretch where everything was sold out. Like yeah, oh yeah, everything was sold out. You know. Actually, at the time you were working a lot with X Pac. You guys had good chemistry yeah. too. Talking about a big guy, little yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. I always like working with smaller guys. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to work with a bigger guy because you know, with working with a smaller guy, the David and Goliath stories mm-hmm. already told. Um, and working with the bigger guy is also uncomfortable for me because, I mean, I'd have to sell. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't think people, I don't think the audience would always buy that, you know, because mm-hmm. they're used to me, you know, being, being everyone up. Um, so it was just something that was different. I'm not exactly a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. So. I was like when you went for the flying cow from the top rope and I dropped you in the air. You yeah. go for a jumping clothesline from the top, we called it the flying cow. And I would drop kick him out. <laughs> yeah. The flying cow. And you'd always hit me right in the diaphragm, and I'd lay there with the wind knocked out of me. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. On purpose. <laughs> we can that? cut that part out, too. <laughs> no, no, we'll keep that one in. And you had the voice box at the time? Oh, man. <laughs> man, we've had to do a lot of ridiculous stuff, right? Yeah. I had to wear a referee's jersey that said he hate me on it once. I go, Vince, why do I wear this? We're trying to get this kid over. His name is Rod, whatever. He hate me. <laughs> I understand that, but why do I have yeah. to wear it? I'm not He's he not even me. in the same company. He's he hate me, yeah. not me. He goes, just wear it. I'm like, all right. Hey, Jericho, he hate me. Look stupid. I know. I know. Let me ask you this. If you, uh, if you, if you, or when you win the mayor and you become a big success, would you run for higher office, maybe governor, perchance? I will. Uh, right now, I'm just concentrating on the mayor, you know, yeah. and, and that's, that's an important deal. You know, I, I think that Local, local government, state government has probably more power over our lives than Washington D.C. does. The thing is, though, Washington is always, you know, it, it's sexy, uh, you know, and the federal government's on CNN every night, and everybody covers the whatever the president or the speaker of the house or the majority leader of the Senate's doing. Um, but if you look at all the laws and taxes and that sort of thing that are out there, local government has an enormous impact on our lives. So this is an important job, and this is one I want to concentrate on. Mm, admirable. Uh, this is a question I always ask. I know you kind of you said that you don't like to answer these questions, but is there is there a match that stands out to you as as your favorite, or a few of them? Well, there's two, and they're they're early on in my career. The first one was WrestleMania, my first one with Undertaker, mm. and in Boston, uh, doing the deal with Pete Rose beforehand. Oh yeah, which, that was Good great. Talk about that, yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Pete Rose would have been a tremendous wrestler. Uh, Why do you say that? Unlike me, he could field and hit. Uh, <laughs> he's a great what, baseball player. Why would he have made a tremendous wrestler? I mean, because he went out there, and there's like, you know, just, just say whatever you want, Pete. You know, just introduce the crowd. So he goes out, and he says, remember, you know, the um, I, I would have been a St. Louis Cardinals fan, as I said, growing up. So I think it was, I forget what year was the World Series. Anyway, uh, it was the Red Sox against the Mets. I hated the Mets. Okay, New York Mets. They were pond scum in St. Louis. So we had T-shirts. That's pond scum. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, you guys remember Billy Buckner, who was a great first baseman for the Boston Red Sox, and um, I think it was Mookie Wilson from the from the New York Mets hit a grounder, easy play, and Buckner let it go right between his legs, 
and cost the Red Sox the World Series. Right. So Pete Rose gets out there, and instead of saying, hey, everybody, welcome to WrestleMania. I'm Pete Rose. Great to be here. He's like, you know, I left tickets for Billy Buckner up at the box office, but he couldn't bend over to pick him up. How about it? How about it? It's pretty much, it was awesome, dude. So he did that on his own? Yeah, he did that on his own, but I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like the big heel coming out, and people are just booing him out of the building. I grab him as the biggest pop of the night. <laughs> <You're> the big... <laughs> <laughs> and then you did it like three or four other times. Yeah, and then, right? he came, then he came back the next year. Then he, came, then he came, came dressed out as a San Diego chicken one year. Um, <laughs> then I did a commercial with him. It was a, it was a commercial for a pay-per-view. And, like, all the kids, and it was Halloween, and all the kids in the neighborhood are going around to, you know, uh, trick-or-treating. They come up to Pete Rose's house, and he opens the door. I like, get out of here, kid. You know, and then, of course, he opens it up, and there's Kane. And he's like, ah! You know, and poor Pete commences <laughs> to get whipped again. But, yeah. Yeah, so he had, I, I, got, I got to do the thing with Pete Rose, which is awesome. Um, had my first match with Undertaker, kicked out of two tombstones, third one got me. Uh, That's okay. Yeah. You know, um, that, was, that was tremendous. Had the Inferno match the next month, which uh, the Inferno match, not only was it a great novelty, but the match I was really, really happy with. I thought that turned out well. Versus Undertaker. Yeah, versus Undertaker. The, the, um, is that the Inferno match your specialty? Yeah, the one I always lost. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, then uh, later, that was then, you know, it was 98. Then uh, won the world championship against Austin in the first blood match at King of the Ring. What year was that? That was 98. Wow. Yeah. Because that was the first time. And you won it. Did you win it one more time after? I, I won the ECW championship. Oh, gotcha. And then, yes, uh, I, I won Money in the Bank and then uh, won another world championship against Ray. Uh, after winning the Money in the Bank, only person to cash it in at that point on the same night. And that was years later. Yeah, that, that was, was 2010. That's like that's a twelve-year period between title runs. Yeah, that's a rare thing. Yeah, you know, to have, to have that much time in between. Yeah, I'm trying to think, you know, because the first title run is only a day. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of something. I don't have anything witty to say. Sorry, <laughs> you but, got it. Yeah, did you, did you like working with Austin? Yeah, Austin's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You never... and, and two, I mean, you know, here, here's the thing though. So I win the world championship to Austin. This is in Pittsburgh. The next night, the next day uh, is in Cleveland, and I drop it back to him. But Cleveland was so much more for me. Winning it was great, but I'll never forget the atmosphere in Cleveland. I mean, it was literally electric. I've never felt anything like that. I mean, true story, back to the rafters. <laughs> Couldn't fit anyone else in there. You know, um, everybody, That's a cigarette, by the way. everybody was, was on their feet. Up until that point, our segment had, was the highest rated segment of Raw. And um, not 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 you know blow smoke, but I feel that that was really one of those launching pads, you know, to where from you know the comp the company had gone up up up, you know, and then bam, we did that, and it wasn't just me, it was because Austin. Nevertheless, bam, we just went up to the next level that night. It was a game changer. It was, man. It was. Well, it was a game changer that night, and when you win the uh, mayoral uh, uh, candidacy, is that a thing? When you become the mayor of Knox County, it's also mayor going to be game yeah, It can be a thing if you mayoral see Mayoral candidate yes. of, uh, yeah, Glenn, awesome to talk to you, man. And like I said, this guy, next mayor, Knox County right here. Thank you, guys. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much, Glenn. Thank you, brother.
All right, thanks to Glenn Jacobs. Live in Knoxville, we sold that place out, had a great time with the fine people of Knox County, and it sounds to me one of two things. One, Glenn is one of the greatest performers in WWE history, and two, I feel he's going to be one of the greatest mayors uh, in Knoxville history. So if you live in the Knoxville area, listen to his platform and go vote, vote, vote for Glenn Jacobs. Thank you so much for listening today, and remember... Here we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Seven months away from Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, setting sail October 27th. Is that seven months? Hold on. It's February. Okay, uh, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Uh, no, eight months away. You only got eight months left to go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and book your cabin. Uh, huge, 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 huge lineup. As you know, Kenny Omega is going to be aboard the Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Uh, and uh, For as low as $150, you can hold your cabin. You pay that deposit. We're going to hold your cabin. And once you book it, remember, everything is included in the booking price. All the food, all the activities, live podcasts, stand-up comedy shows, meet and greets, concerts, uh, the chance to see Kenny Omega in the ring, the Sea of Honor tournament, it's all covered in the price of your cabin. The only things you pay for on the ship are drinks and gambling. But you remember, this is not a sequestered area. It's a cruise ship. We're all going to be hanging out together, and you will also get a chance to see Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler, SoCal Val, Mick Foley, Raven, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Rey Mysterio, Cyrus and Paul Lazenby doing a live kill in the town. Conan, Disco Inferno, and Shane Helms doing Keeping It 100. Beyond the Darkness telling some scary tales. Cole Cabana and Marty DeRosa doing the Unprofessional Wrestling Show. Brad Williams, Ron Funches. Bad news, guys. We lost Jim Brewer. He's uh, opening for Metallica during that time frame, so I can't even uh, compete with that. But we've got some other uh, big-name comedians and some other ideas getting ready. i got I got a big announcement in the rock and roll world that's going to blow your mind. Who's the biggest band in America right now uh, that started in the 2000s? Think about that. I'm just going to leave that, uh, that, that for you right now. But, but it's fine. Jim's gone, but we got uh, Busted Open Radio is going to be there. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. King. Fozzie doing three shows. The Stir from Atlanta, Georgia. Dave Spivak Project. Spiwi, longtime guest here on Talk is Jericho. Uh, he's going to be playing some great tunes. Go check out Get Out of My House, his video on YouTube. It's uh, very, very cool. The Darlings of Rock and Roll. The Cherry Bombs. Shoot to Thrill, the world's greatest female ACDC cover band. Blizzard of Ozzy, the world's best Ozzy cover band. And, of course, Ring of Honor presenting the Sea of Honor tournament aboard the ship. Matches happening in the middle of the ocean, okay? And remember, the winner of the Sea of Honor tournament gets a Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship shot in the future. Kenny Omega is going to be there wrestling. And in the tournament, the Young Bucks, the villain Marty Skrull, Adam Page and Cody, the Bullet Club, although I don't know what kind of uh, state they're in right now. They seem to hate each other so much. But the Briscoe brothers will be there. Dalton Castle, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, Jay Lethal, uh, so many others. Delirious will be there. Brandy Rhodes will be there. We've got some more uh, Ring of Honor, uh, Women of Honor going to be aboard the ship. There's still more talent coming. You guys are getting a huge, huge bargain for this. You go to WrestleCon, you pay to get in, you pay for each autograph, you pay for each picture. This one, you book your cabin, everything, all-inclusive. So go to Chris Jericho Cruise right now, ChrisJerichoCruise.com, ChrisJerichoCruise.com, and be a part of the greatest cruise uh, in, in, uh, in, in history. Uh, and speaking of history, next week on Wednesday, Everybody loves Spotify. We're getting the history of Spotify, the rise of Spotify, with the head of rock programming of Spotify, Allison Hagendorf, is going to be here. And let me tell you, she has got amazing stories about how Spotify started up and how it is changing the music world, the rock and roll world. Uh, Allison and Spotify have been instrumental in Fozzie's uh, success, and they're doing uh, great, great stuff for all rock and roll uh, all across the board. So Allison will be here talking about the rise of Spotify on Wednesday. We'll see you then. In the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. And the big, yeah, boy. Ah, oh, yeah.